Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamora. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamora and Raphael Tamora. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Have you ever felt sorry for someone going through intensive challenges in his or her life or was suffering in some way? Of course you have. We all have that initial reaction when we care about others. We want everyone to be well, happy, successful, and enjoy a wonderful life. Yet, you've you've probably been on the receiving end of someone else's sympathy for you as well. How does it affect you when someone, even well-intentioned, comes to you in hysterics, horror, guilt, or sadness and slathers you with some form of, you poor thing, it's terrible what happened to you. Oh, I can't stand it. Call it pity or sympathy, but especially when you are in pain and suffering in some way, rather than helping to alleviate any of the difficulties you're going through, it seems to just make it worse, doesn't it? It's only human to feel sorry for someone going through what looks to you as hardships. You wouldn't want to be in their position, but you don't want them to be in it either. But if you stay in that state of mind of sympathy or pitying that person, rather than helping that person find his or her way out of it, or even just giving them the space they need to work through it themselves, you generally add to their problems. So... What are you to do when you encounter someone, especially a beloved someone, struggling in some way? How are you to respond to them if not with sympathy and feeling sorry for them? That's actually a simple question to answer, with compassion. But then in some dictionaries, compassion is defined as a synonym for pity and sympathy. The American Heritage Dictionary, Michael's personal choice as a dictionary for American English, however, defines compassion slightly differently. It defines it as deep awareness of the suffering of another accompanied by the wish to relieve it. Now that definition is getting much closer to our experience of compassion rather than sympathy. No part of having compassion for another needs to have feeling sorry for the other person. Rather, with compassion, the feeling you have for the other is unconditional love. In that experience, there are no judgments. Whereas, when you are in sympathy or feeling sorry for the person, that comes entirely from judgments that the condition or situation that person in is terrible, unfair, painful, intolerable, and so on. When you have compassion for someone, you hold no judgments about who they are, what they are going through, or how they are dealing with it. You may not agree with them about some of those things, but you are loving them anyway, just as they are. 
Sympathy comes from a place of strong desire to change where the other person is without first supporting where that person is with kindness and love, holding no judgments about any of it. Sympathy actually is saying you are not okay to be how, where, and what you are because I can't stand it. Sympathy is really all about the sympathizer instead of the person who might need loving support to go through what they are dealing with. Compassion, on the other hand, offers not only kind understanding, awareness, and unconditional love, it offers encouragement and empowers the person suffering. Sympathy disempowers them. We chose to discuss compassion versus sympathy in your psychic life as our topic for our show today because there is often a lot of confusion between the two responses toward those who we might seek to help. It's especially important to know the distinction for yourself even if you use the words interchangeably. I've heard a few people who were being compassionate say they were sympathizing with the other person. What's important is not our word choice or nitpicking on semantics, but what we really mean and how we are actually responding to others. We use the terms compassion and sympathy with great distinction only to make this point. So it seemed to us that calling the experience of one person feeling sorrowful and bad for another person going through hardships, sympathy, And that experience of a person continuing to love without judgments or making conditions for those who are suffering, compassion. That way, we could talk about the distinctions between the actual responses and experiences more clearly. You may have experienced another good example of sympathy not helping at all. Have you ever had someone engulf you with their sorrow, fear, guilt, or whatever they're going through as they proclaimed how sorry they were for you going through such an awful ordeal when you were doing just fine with it, perhaps even enjoying it in some way. People react according to their perceived and imagined experience of what you're going through rather than responding to you according to what you are experiencing. As the saying goes, one man's meat is another man's poison. That's quite a saying. It's a little like you completely delighting in eating some ethnic food that you grew up with when someone who has no idea of what you're experiencing demands to know how you can even put such an awful thing in your mouth, much less enjoy it, eating it voluntarily. (laughs) People often react according to their own perceptions about what is happening. Sympathy is always that type of reaction. Whereas compassion is a conscious response and not a knee-jerk emotional reaction. Compassion comes from a greater awareness of the truth, whereas sympathy comes from one's unconscious fears. The choice you make between reacting to someone's situation or condition in sympathy and consciously responding with compassion makes a major difference in what happens in the continuing relationship between you and that other person. When you allow yourself to continue to offer sympathy after your initial reaction, you unwittingly contribute to disempowering that person. You add an additional burden and diminish the communication between the two of you. 
If instead you choose to be more aware of what that person is experiencing, set aside any reactions and judgments you may have and be with that person with compassion. You would help to empower and encourage them and open up more space for healing communication. Choosing to continue in sympathy or responding with awareness and compassion makes a huge difference in any relationship. But where it becomes more important is in living your psychic life. A great majority of people in the world at this point doesn't necessarily see others or their own psychic lives very clearly. If you live strictly by what a person's life appears to be on the physical body and emotional and intellectual levels, it would be like basing your important life choices and direction on what you can see of an iceberg above the water as if it were the whole iceberg. As the common saying goes, that would be just the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) On the average, only one-tenth of the whole mass of the iceberg is seen above the water. Our psychic life that we live as souls here on Earth is nine-tenths of our life that we live below the surface of the water. People don't see it and assume they can't see it or know it. When you start to become more aware of your inner psychic life as the immortal soul that you are, you open up to the other 90% or more of your life that most people ignore, both in themselves and in you. But just because you've experienced most people ignoring it in themselves, you can't afford to ignore it. That's why, well, obviously, that's why you're interested in a radio show like ours because you already have been exploring your psychic life and intuitively have known that there's a lot more to you and your life than meets most people's physical eyes and ears and feelings and understanding. Congratulations! (laughs) That's a huge step that takes quite a bit of courage to take. Consistently relating to your own psychic self and to others with compassion instead of in sympathy becomes even more important in relationship to living your psychic life. And it's even important to others who you may not be aware of living their psychic life at all. For one thing, compassion not only empowers you, but that welcomes you to have the courage to heal yourself, to heal any part of your psychic self that you divided yourself against. It's within that psychic self that you are, where where all your creativity and power reside as potential. The more you have divided yourself away from that, the less the inner spirit power and creativity that you can draw on. It's never that you are without them. It's just that if you've chosen to ignore or invalidate yourself for any reason, you've taken away your access to them until 
you heal that psychic rift within yourself. I remember uh, our friend Daniel Brinkley, the best-selling author of a number of books, starting with Saved by the Light, about his first of six near-death experiences. He's a powerful being and a great person. I remember him once announced several years ago in a public talk he was giving that his one goal in life that he works toward every day was to be kind from the time he wakes up in the morning till the time he goes to sleep at night. At that time, he said he was still far from being successful at being kind and treating everyone he met with kindness for one whole day. Well, as simple as it might initially sound, Danyan's goal is anything but easy to attain for any of us. The good news is, however, we have our whole lifetime to practice. <laughs> good thing. <laughs> Mother Teresa was fond of saying that there are three most important things to remember in life. First is to be kind. Second is to be kind. And third is to be kind. It seems that she too understood how difficult that was to accomplish. What makes just being kind and treating everyone and yourself with kindness such a difficult challenge? I mean, it's not a problem being kind once in a while, but all the time. I've always considered kindness, compassion, and grace to be the most important qualities of being. Other than the word kind, I didn't know the words compassion or grace that represented the experience I knew until I was much older when I was growing up. Yet even as a little child, I always admired and respected those men and women who were kind and full of compassion and grace in the way they lived their lives and related to others. Often, those who I looked up to for these qualities of their being were not famous or had great worldly success or money or prestige. Sometimes, they were even considered lowly household servants, hired help, and not even highly respected by many people. I loved and respected such people for many reasons, but especially for their incredible courage. I found that it takes a lot of courage to be compassionate and kind, and consistently so. When I say courage, I'm, I'm not talking about not experiencing any fear. Courage to me is choosing to and acting upon love and kindness even when one is experiencing fear. That is why courage is necessary to overcome fear. In the presence of love, fear cannot remain. When we let fear stop us from being true to who we are, we make ourselves hostage to our ego and deny our capacity to love and free ourselves 
from bondage. To respond to anyone or anything with kindness and compassion, we have to put down our arms, our fortress of protection, and willingly be ourselves as we truly are. We cannot continue to hide our own brilliant light for fear of how others would perceive and treat us. We cannot afford to not only speak, but to live our truth in a way that is true to us. That takes a lot of courage, and that courage comes from our choice to continue to love ourselves and others, regardless of what we may be experiencing at the moment. Well, our first break is coming up, and as usual, we have a very special announcement to share with you about one of our uh, important activities. You can still sign up for an extraordinary remote four teleclass plus a Zoom Q&A weekend event coming up on Saturday and Sunday, September 18th and 19th. That's not this weekend, but the following one. The Joy of Creating Miracles, Celebrating Your Imagination, Clairvoyance, and Creative Self-Expression. That's the name of the uh, entire weekend. All together, we'll be giving four two-hour teleclasses, plus our special bonus Zoom post-class Q&A talk story and social over the weekend. And I'm going to give you the names of all the classes because you can attend all of them or even single ones if you like, or purchase some for listening later. And they are on Saturday morning, that's September 18th. It is Imagining Beyond Your Limits, Opening the Door to Miracles with Your Imagination and Clairvoyance. And it starts at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Saturday afternoon's class is If You Can See It, You Can Create It, Your Clairvoyance, Creative Power, and Miracles. Then on Sunday morning, the the title is When you're stuck, create a miracle, seeing new solutions clairvoyantly when nothing seems to work. And the afternoon class is be the light of the world. See yourself clearly and creatively share the joy of being you. Plus, anyone participating in any one of the teleclasses during this weekend event can join us for our fun and profound bonus post-class Zoom get-together Q&A talk story and social on Sunday following the last teleclass. For the full write-up and details or to sign up, go go to the September calendar section of our website, micheltamora.com, or call our office and speak with our fabulous assistant, Noelle, who can get you all set up with it at 530-926-2650, weekdays during business hours Pacific time, or leave a message. In just a bit, we'll return to continue to explore compassion versus sympathy in your psychic life. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at MichaelTamora.com forward slash events. 
the best book ever. Transformational, incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational, a must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at MichaelTamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone, to our exploration today of compassion versus sympathy in your psychic life. It's a choice that we each have to make, especially when we are wanting to help someone going through deep challenges. We'll continue, and how we will continue is I'm going to turn this back to Michael to finish his train of thought here. Yes, the train, uh, <laughs> sometimes it's an express, you know, it doesn't stop, and the other other times it's it's yeah. a every stop local. <laughs> and it hasn't left the station yet, so hang tight. We've got lots more to say about this. <laughs> so before the break, I was talking about, you know, that it requires courage to be compassionate. And, and as Raphael was mentioning earlier in the show, that sympathy disempowers, whereas compassion empowers. Compassion requires courage to have and to share, whereas sympathy comes from basically fear, even unconscious, especially unconscious fear. So to fully live your psychic life as the immortal soul that you are, you cannot afford to fall into sympathy with those who are struggling between the choice to remain hostage to their fears or to have the courage to love, forgive, and heal. You are the light of the world. And as such, you are the lighthouse to those who are struggling and suffering. No matter what each suffering person may need specifically for his or her complete healing and happiness, The first and most important healing is that of experiencing kindness and compassion, free of judgment. No matter what the diagnosis or treatment may turn out to be, compassion is required for the true healing to begin and to continue. Often we might consider perseverance as not giving up and persisting, even doggedly. Yet in truth, perseverance comes from continuing to love, forgiving, 
all else. Perseverance is only needed if you feel that you are at the end of your rope and you can't keep going on when you need to. What keeps you going on and persevering in such a situation is if you choose to continue loving yourself, forgiving yourself of whatever you blamed yourself for, and in doing so, you open yourself up to the infinite and all things become possible for you again. I learned decades ago that if I chose to be kind when I was in some kind of doubt, the doubt quickly disappeared. It happened every time. I then realized that in the presence of kindness, doubt could not exist. Kindness is of the undivided, of the limitlessness of spirit. Doubt, on the other hand, is of the divided mind, the ego. Darkness cannot persist in the light. Well, shortly before my second near-death experience, during my first heart attack, which I didn't know I was having at the time, I found myself out of my body and surrounded by a circle of enlightened beings. My first thought was, oh, good. As in, I have some super help. But the help that I was hoping for was more the kind you see in old TV shows where the superhero comes swooping down from above to save you at the last minute. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) No such luck there. But I experienced total compassion emanating from each of the masters. The only thing I heard them say to me was, this is your time. We cannot intervene. You have a most important decision to make that only you can make for yourself. Then no one said anything more. And every one of them stepped back away from me about 20 feet. They maintained a circle of compassion around me, but a little bit more at a distance, if you will. And they offered no other guidance, just compassion. I knew instantly that the decision I had to make wasn't about choosing life or death because I already knew there is no death and that the opposite of life wasn't death because life had no divisions, no opposites. I also knew that the most important decision I had to make had to do with life, my life. If it weren't about life or death, there were no choices to make between life and life were there that's when it hit me yes there were there was a choice between life and life life in the in the sense of the life of the incarnated soul from birth till death do us part from the body or and And not only death to us apart from the body, but from this world. Or the true life of the soul, your psychic life, the eternal life. To be lived whether we were incarnated in the physical world or not. I realized that I had never made that decision. And it was a decision that I had to make sooner or later. I knew that I could postpone making that decision 
and stick with the choice to live the incarnated life from birth to death until my next incarnation or a hundred incarnations down the line. Yet I also knew that sooner or later, I would have to make the decision to live the eternal life, life without end. That was a scary choice to make because I knew if I chose to commit to living the eternal life while I was still here in my incarnation, I would be committing to living regardless of whatever condition I might find myself in, in my body, in my world, at any time. If I did, I wouldn't have the excuse to die out of this place <laughs> until I was ready to face those challenges in another incarnation. I couldn't postpone stuff. Of course, I realized that if I have to make that commitment sooner or later, why not make it sooner than later? I would have to work through my fears of living the never-ending life unconditionally. That's the only way you can live an eternal life without conditions. All of those, what if I return to my body and discovered that it was permanently incapacitated in some way? I had to deal with all those fears that compel us to die and get out of the whole mess we got ourselves into. <laughs> right? Okay. So, it's like no exit. We're, we're, am I cutting off my only way to a possible reprieve, right? Well, I made that decision. And as soon as I made that decision at that moment, I returned to my body. And I found that I could start my deep healing process, whatever was happening to me at that time. Ever since then, I would become aware of any conditions I had demanded of life, various forms of I'm not going to play unless you let me be the good guy <laughs> or unless it's a sunny day or unless I get to uh, have my sweetheart or unless everything is the way I want it to be. And of course, when whatever conditions are staring at you in your face, that's when you want to feel sorry for yourself in a big way, right? Mm. <laughs> that great antidote for that is also compassion, not sympathy. Sympathy plays right into your pity party that you're not wanting to have anyone ruin, right? As long as it's sympathy, people are not going to ruin your pity party you're having. They add to it. <laughs> Compassion, on the other hand, breaks up that pity party with kindness and gentleness and often humor. Oh, there's been many times I'd be trying to have my personal pity party. <laughs> when Raphael would gently and with great compassion laugh at me. I would tell her to go away and let me enjoy my pity party I'm throwing for myself and let me feel sorry for myself in peace. <laughs> Leave me alone. By that point, I'm at least halfway healed because I'm laughing and you can't start you know, healing yourself in any way if you're busy in the middle of feeling sorry for yourself, right? Yeah. So it's fun because um, then you learn about two different levels of compassion versus sympathy because it's outer when you're 
going between the two with someone else or inner. Mm-hmm. The inner one is the pity party yeah. <laughs> or, or the finding your amusement and and getting on with whatever's going on. You know, empowering yourself to solve your issue or to call on someone to help you solve it without having them feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what makes it difficult when when you're in the middle of suffering in some way, physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, psychically, and um, somebody comes along and, and dumps a whole bunch of sympathy on you, if you're even considering getting yourself out of your own pity party, it makes it difficult because now you got guests <laughs> bringing, bringing, you know, more pity, more pity uh, to your pity party, and 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 you know, all nicely wrapped and everything else. And you go, wait a minute, I'm trying to get out of my pity party and start healing, but it just makes it difficult. But that's because we're already in our pity party. If we weren't. If we were completely free of being in our pity party, then no matter how many people pity you and throw sympathy at you and dump their you know, guilt or sorrow or whatever on you, you'd just laugh about it. You, you wouldn't have a problem. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's a fun story I want to share with all of you about uh, something a friend told me about, which happened to her. Um, in the middle of the night, she lived. She lives in one of the big cities in California. And in the middle of the night, somebody came along and broke into and and damaged about twenty cars in her neighborhood. And it made so much noise. Somebody called the cops, and the cops came, and people started pouring out of their apartments because it woke everybody up. And she found out when she came down that um, her car was one of the cars that was uh, damaged. And the police, she said there were a whole bunch of police and they were trying to sort through, you know, who was who in the group of people that were there. And when they came to her, she said, yeah, my car was broken into. And they stuck a sign on her that said, victim. (laughs) (laughs) And she said during the whole thing, she was very upset about having her car broken into. But she also has this strong awareness about sympathy versus compassion. And she said... That was the first chance I got in the whole experience to start to laugh, laugh. at myself and laugh at the whole ridiculousness, uh, walking around with a sign that says, I'm a, I'm a victim. And, of course, the police were doing that to sort out who was a victim and yes. who might be the ones that were doing it and yeah. so forth and so on. That's hilarious. But um, the other thing is I always enjoy um, in the days before we give our show, there's always something that comes up that is just exactly about what we're talking about. Um, I was talking to someone very close to me on the telephone the other day and telling her about a very difficult situation I had on our, uh, we have this wonderful trail that uh, runs behind our house and it goes for many miles and, and I was having, taking care of a situation and uh, and I was telling my sister about this. Of course, everything turned out all right in the situation. But as I was telling her the story, she kept going, you poor thing, you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it really made me think about, well, how, how many times do we tell sad tales to elicit uh, sympathy from people? Oh, mm. you poor thing. Now, of course, when that happened, it, it reflected back to me, I really shouldn't be telling a story to uh, make it sound like I was looking for sympathy because I w- really wasn't. I was just telling my story. 
But for those who are more conscious, when someone is telling you a story of woe <laughs> like that, um, it's really important to really intuit whether that person uh, is wanting to be encouraged in, in their pity party or they just want a listening ear. Yeah. That's a really important part. And that. that brings up a really interesting thing that I learned from Raphael, actually, that, you know, this is one of the things that's very kind of classically different and often seemingly conflicting or opposing between men and women. Yes. And for for a man, generally, if somebody comes, especially a woman, somebody comes, somebody in distress, it, well, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, somebody comes to dis, to you in distress as a man, your initial response to it is, you know, especially if you're if you're available for for helping, is is like, okay, what do we do? What what can we do to help you get out of this mess? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I did that with Raphael, she said, no, 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 I just want you to listen. And I said, yeah, I'm listening. And now here's the solution. <laughs> His version of the solution. Yeah, my version of the solution. But I learned, you know, that was kind of the early stages of going, okay, yes, I have compassion. And out of my compassion, I'm going, okay, we can do A, B, C, D and get this thing taken care of. And she said, no, I'm not ready for that yet. I just need to have somebody listen. And so that's, that's a huge part. And this, I think, is, is actually true, whether you're a man or a woman, is the first thing is you have, to, you have to pay attention and become more aware. Listening means be aware of where I'm at. Well, I have to interrupt because our second break is coming right up. And I wanted to let those of you interested in learning more about your psychic self, intuitive awareness, self-healing, and spiritual path that our psychic tools and life mastery practices for living your soul's purpose is our most comprehensive foundation mp3 audio self-study course we have. You can take it one class at a time or purchase one level of classes and seminars at a time. It's all tele-seminars. For details, go to our seminars, courses, and retreats tab under what we do on our website. Or you can simply call our office at 530-926-2650. And our assistant, Noelle, will be happy to assist you with questions regarding the course, as well as with purchasing classes. When we return, we'll get back to compassion versus sympathy in your psychic life. See you in a couple of minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. 
Inspirational. A must-read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tamora, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Well, it's great to have you back. We've been talking about compassion versus sympathy and how each impacts you in your psychic life. So let us continue. Well, one of the stories I wanted to share was growing up with a lot of brothers. This was a very interesting thing for <laughs> me this lifetime. And dear souls that they are, um, the thing that we talked about with um, Michael earlier about the uh, men wanting to solve the problem first. Mm-hmm. And as a child, it, it was interpreted this way. If I was struggling with something that I was trying to do, um, even if it was something I didn't like doing that much or whatever, like cleaning or uh, taking care of something in the house, uh, it was very typical for one of my brothers to come up and grab whatever I was doing out of my hand to do it for me. Mm. And that was such an interesting uh, dichotomy for me because here was something I really didn't want to do, but I was doing it. And later, you know, I learned to be willing with housework and dishes and whatnot. But if I was struggling with something and somebody would come along and try and take it out of my hand because I wasn't getting it right at right at the moment, um, that actually became kind of an insult in a way. Like, you're not capable of doing this. I'll do it for you. Like, like Disempowerment. A, that disempowerment, exactly. And there was another form of it when I was much older. Um, this happened back in about 2008. I've talked about this before, but I, I'm going to talk about it from this angle of compassion versus sympathy and also that male-female thing that Michael uh, just brought up. And that is um, when I was in this car, it was a one-car accident. I got It was nighttime. It was snowing. There was ice on the road. I spun out, and um, I hit the center divider, and I got hurt. And I knew I had broken at least two ribs. Um, and it was quite a situation, but miraculously, because there I didn't know at the time another accident had happened ahead of me. I couldn't see the other car because it was down the road a bit. The, that's why the cops showed up. And when I he finally found me, I was uh, at the other side of the road, kind of bent over because I was in a lot of pain. And, of course, the first thing, after we went through a little to-do about whether I was actually in an accident or, or being a complicated helper, I was actually in the accident, um, he asked me if I was hurt. And I was bent over in front of his car lights. Of course I was hurt. And so I nodded my head. 
And within a few minutes, I heard an ambulance coming. <laughs> and I go running over to him and I said, is that ambulance for me? And he said, yeah, you said you were hurt. <laughs> See, it's, it's a formula a lot of people have. Of course, that's his training, and I didn't hold it against him at all. But we had just spent thousands and thousands of dollars on ambulance and, and uh, what do you call that, helicopter and everything. Medivacs for Michael, and we were still paying all of that off, so I knew how much it was going to cost. And I said, call off the ambulance. I do not want to go to a hospital. I had had broken ribs before. I knew how to deal with it because all they do is tell you to go to the drugstore and buy the rib belt and and wear it for six weeks, which is exactly what I did. So, you know, that was just another example of just using that formula of of, I have the solution and not even consulting about it. So, you know, this is just, what are we talking about here is awareness, being aware of how you deal with day-to-day matters and also being aware of um, where other people are before taking action action with them. And and it doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean in a uh, serious situation where a person can bleed out or having you know this is an emergency thing but if you really look at it what does a uh the first responder emt or paramedic or somebody who comes on the scene of a real critical emergency uh physical bodily harm the whole bit they still have to even if it only is a moment or two even if it's a couple seconds they have to triage the situation they have to assess First, before they jump into action, just because they see somebody on the ground, they can't just go give CPR. That's maybe not what they need. So, or their their back is broken, and that would, you know, do them in. So then they have to look at it. They have to become more aware. And that's where the compassion comes in. Compassion gives us that, even if it's a moment or two, that pause, to assess the situation. One of the things for less critical situations and everything, but even even critical situations, this is important, is we call this, you have to blow your own matching pictures first. You have to blow up these images in your mind that a lot of you might not consider to be images, but that's how how we do everything as spiritual beings. We create images of every experience, and we have a whole stockpile of images in our mind cataloged away, and they pop up into our mind in reaction to, again, especially intensive type situations. So the first thing is what propels us to go into sympathy instead of choosing to have compassion, even for a a few moments, in a situation is that these images with fear, judgment, and past experiences and all kinds of stuff pop up in our mind, and we just jump into reaction. Not action per se, but just reaction. And, and uh, the first thing to shift from that sympathy mode of fear and judgment to compassion is, of course, you need to ground yourselves. You know, from the first chakra to the center of the earth, connect it with that tree trunk, the grounding cord. 
give yourselves a deep breath and just go, okay, I can't just jump into this person's life and space and tell them what to do. It's, oh, yeah, who is this person? What's going on here? What's, what's the truth of the situation? And then once you're more grounded and centered in the center of your head, being aware, oh, yeah, am I just running around like a chicken with the head cut off in sympathy? Or am I actually aware that, okay, here's a person that's requiring some sort of help, and I'm the one who's here. No one else is here right now. Okay. Or even if there were other people around, a lot of times I'm a bystander, but I can still have a great deal of compassion and awareness, and that changes the whole situation for everyone. It only takes one person to be aware, and the space opens up for everyone. It's incredible level of it's, its power, its creative power. And so then... If you're the one to, you know, really have that space, start to create that space of compassion, even if you're not the expert, even if you're not the person attending physically to that person or, or verbally to that person, ah, you're going to help in a great way, huge way. Yeah. And so then, uh, in a way that like a coach who stands in the sidelines helping the star players in, on the field or on the court, oh, yeah, just their presence makes a difference. Yeah? So that's, that's what's important with healers. And to be able to do that, the, after you ground and find the center of your head, you have to find neutrality. Oh, yeah, I'm in sympathy. That's not neutral. Compassion comes from neutrality. But sympathy doesn't. So then... You start to go, okay, I'm in sympathy. I'm just uh, trying to jump in and like a chicken with the head cut off and run around in circles, even if I don't know, I don't really have a clue what I, what's going on. Also, sympathy feels bad. Yeah. When, when, yeah. when you're in sympathy, you feel that person's feelings. You're taking on where that person is. And very sensitive people oftentimes experience the pain of yeah. that other person. So, and, and if you don't like it and you're resisting it and you can't stand it and the whole bit, you're going to be in sympathy. You're going to jump into the other person's space to, to try to fix yeah. it, all that kind of stuff. So the first thing, you got to just go, let that, let that be. Let it go. Let it be. And, and just go, okay. Oh, I have – There's what's happening within myself as the sympathizer is I have all these images, thoughts, feelings that's, that's turned on in my mind that I wasn't aware of before. But it's, it's going screaming right now. So then you just imagine that rose, image of a rose out in front of you, and just decide, okay, I'm just going to let go of all those images all, with all those thoughts and feelings that's just you know, broiling in, inside of me. Just put it in there. All in there, and you see it. Just imagine it going all into that rose. And then just imagine the whole thing exploding in a flash of light. Essentially, you're forgiving yourself of all those past images. They're not relevant. They're not true right now. That's just the past. And judgments you have at the past and, and judgments you picked up from other people about the similar things and all that stuff. Just poof, explode the whole thing. Now, you might not be perfect or anything, but 
oh, you're not as much in that sympathy. Now you can go, okay, this person first and foremost needs support, needs to be heard, to be heard and yeah. seen. Okay. And then things, things will, you don't have to know anything more than that at first. Things will start to happen and you'll start to realize, oh, you say something, you, hey, I'm here, whatever. And you open up that space of compassion, that unconditional love. There's no judgment. Finally, that person's going to be able to feel safe enough to just go, okay, I'm okay for now. I know I have to do something about this, but first they have to start to find their own space and power, creativity to start to make a decision of, okay, where do I go from here? Okay. Oh, I need help. I need medical help. I need uh, emotional support. I need, you know, whatever. And then they're now well on their way to their healing process. No matter how far that healing can go, it started. And in the very beginning, that's what's most needed to get the healing process going. Then everything can work out. Yes, and I'd like to address uh, one more thing, too, is as Michael was talking about uh, neutrality. You know, in the medical field, doctors and nurses are taught uh, something called professional distance. And I think that is kind of a psychological way of saying the same thing, except what is not included is uh, the compassion, you know, to keep your compassion, keep your that love within you. You know, many doctors become doctors because they want to help people. But it doesn't mean you have to become cold to have that professional distance. Well, believe it or not, we are at the end of our show once again. We're grateful that you joined us and certainly hope you enjoyed our show today and learned something useful for your spiritual growth. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday, and we'll look at, ah, we just started addressing this, your neutrality, awareness, and joy. Is neutrality some uninteresting, nothing, neither here nor there experience, or is it the secret key that unlocks the door inward to the limitless treasures of spirit? What does neutrality have to do with your awareness and joy? Tune in and find out. Remember, too, to reserve your spot for our transformational remote teleclass weekend event on Saturday and Sunday, September 18th and 19th. And um, by the way, this is the year 2021 if you're listening to this later. Um, So if it's way later, this will probably be available by recording. And it is our weekend titled The Joy of Creating Miracles, Celebrating Your Imagination, Clairvoyance, and Creative Self-Expression. Check our website or call our office at 530-926-2650 and speak to our assistant, Noel, for details or to sign up. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm. 
we appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.